Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 293. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, PDF Pen from Smile, Squarespace, and SoundSource from Rogue Amoeba. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Ahoy there. Hey, buddy. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's uh. It's a weird week, you know, we got WBC to talk about in a whole new context, which I'm looking forward to, but, you know, pretty good, busy, busy as always. And uh, we are also joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm really amazed at how constrained this intro is after last week. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to be a professional, mm-hmm. but only sometimes, and maybe this is the, that one time of the year when we behave on the show. It's going to mm. be strictly business. No jokes, no puns, no nothing. Just strictly podcasting. No japes. Yeah. Nothing. Just all you will get from Mike and me this episode is just pure business. Pure. Okay. Straight laced. But I can pro- Professionalism in podcasting. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to be. Yep. Pro- professionalism. You can do whatever you want, but we're professionals yeah. now. Yeah, we are. We we have grown up in the past week, and Correct. it appears you haven't, Stephen. So <laughs> please let the adults do the talking here. Mike, what is the uh, this website that we have in follow up? Well, we begin all podcasts in uh, a format which is known by the ages. Follow up uh, is where we recount stories and regale our audience with tales from the previous episode and how things may have adapted in between the time of the previous episode to now. And we begin this episode's follow-up with a website called whatismyhacketnumber.com, which J.W. Hamilton uh, created, and it's so people can work out their own hacket number, including the extended hacket number, which includes uh, personal uh, devices, PDAs, some would call them. Mm. PDAs? Really? PDA. Mm. Wasn't that what what does PDA stand for? Uh, personal something something. Personal digital ap- assistant appliance. Appliance? Assistant? What does PDA stand for? Know. Personal digital Pathological assistant. demand avoidance. Personal no, digital right. assistant. You know who came okay. up with that? <laughs> who? You? John Scully. Oh. Oh yeah. If you go listen to uh Flashback episode one, we talk all about it. That's vertical integration. It is. It's about the Newton. Go check it out. Uh, all right. So, moving on from that follow up, I agree this website is awesome. It is very flattering how many people have shared their hacket numbers. I think I'm still in the lead, though, which is what you would expect because it's named. I would hope me. so. I hope that nobody ever beats you. There probably are, are some people, but. They haven't heard of it. Haven't heard the good news of the Hackett number yet. We've been speaking a lot about the Magic Keyboard and Trackpad, and I was digging around in its accessibility settings. And I have a, a support article I have in the show notes. But uh, there's some really cool stuff you can do. So I'd complained about the smaller trackpad on the 11 inch, and you can actually speed up the cursor speed like you can on a Mac or a PC the cursor will move more quickly. I bumped it up a little bit. You can all the way fast is like way too fast for me, but I made a little bit of an adjustment there. But also some neat things you can do. You can have your pointer 
automatically hide or not. You can make it uh, less transparent and darker, so if, with like increased contrast. And I had mentioned that I run my iPad in reduced motion mode. But if you want to keep that, but you still want the i the icons to like move around, you can enable pointer animations. So it doesn't turn on all the motion stuff, just the things related to the pointer, which is like a nice middle ground. Oh, so if you use reduce motion, does it stay as the little circular disk? It does, unless you turn on pointer animations. Then it does a thing where it absorbs the buttons and you know the huh. icons on the home screen move. Huh. Okay. So, um, and you can also, if you have issues uh, with the visibility of it, you can also set a border on the pointer, and you can change the color uh, and the size of the of that border and pointer. So you can, if you want it highlighted in blue, if that makes it easier to see, you can do that as well. So there's a lot of stuff in this accessibility settings panel that we hadn't touched on. So I just wanted to make sure we talked about it because it seems. Uh, pretty uh, well thought out for sort of a version one, at least. Uh, referencing the Magic Keyboard, uh, I just wanted to provide follow-up to confirm that I am very happy with the laptop stand that I bought. Um, it is currently unavailable <laughs> <laughs> on Amazon in the UK. I don't know about on Amazon.com. Uh, I don't know whether that means that there's a horrific failure point that I've yet to uncover or if it just means that because it's a laptop stand, it's sold out. Like because yeah. it's the type of thing that people are looking because for. Because right you now. talked about it, you talked about it, and it sold out. It is possible that the mic effect has, has is in place here, um, but it is still available in the U.S. By the way. Okay, great, great. So all of the U.K. people understand that they want this stand and they bought it. Um, but it's it's great. I'm a big fan of the the, the product. I. I've been using it every single day for the last week and it is doing exactly what I wanted from uh, a stand for the, for the iPad Pro with Magic Keyboard, right? Like it's really like, this is exactly what I want it for. Uh, it's very good. Very good. I'm, I'm glad you're, you are happy with it because it, it looks like it, I don't know what could be better than this thing between the adjustability and the stability that it offers. I've got yeah. to imagine it's probably one of the best ones. This would be about the maximum that I could get, right? Like, I, uh, there, there isn't much more I can get except for a VESA arm, I think. But uh, as as I've mentioned before, I have VESA laptop arms in my studio. Um, and this is purely like a temporary solution, but is a piece of kit that I'll be happy to have uh, for when, when working from home is the thing that I need to do. So I'm really pleased with it. Uh, I meant to ask you this last time. So you have the arms at the studio. Would you keep this at home for when you work on your iPad at home? Or are you planning on not doing that at home anymore? I don't know yet. Like, I, I still think for me, like, I I never really got the opportunity to understand what my working life would look like post-studio lease. So I'm still kind of trying to work that out. And, and I think I need to actually spend time in that world to really understand if that's a thing that I want to do. Like, do I want to be bringing the larger iPad backwards and forwards like every day? Maybe I leave one at the studio and like leave my smaller iPad at home or vice versa. Like, I'm not sure yet Like, all of that stuff I need to actually try, uh, which I don't know, hopefully some point this year I will get the opportunity to do that. Okay. 
This is not something you would travel with, though. I can just see you, like, coming into an airport, no. like, sir, you can't fly with no. that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to. The roost stand, the plastic one that I had, the, that is, like, collapsible. Mm-hmm. So I would I would take that uh, with me when, when traveling. If I was going for a trip for a very long time, like, I would take that. Mm, you know what? No, I wouldn't, because then how would I type on it? So ignore that part. Like, I wouldn't travel with it, because then I'd need to also bring a keyboard. And at that point, like, it's I've gone too far for, like, a travel setup. You know what I mean? Like, I'm bringing my iPad with a keyboard permanently attached to it and a stand and a keyboard. Like, that's too far even for me to, to take on a trip. Like, uh, that's too much. Uh, Federico, mm-hmm. how are you using your iPad right now? I, I'm intrigued. Now that, like... That's I guess the initial excitement has worn off with the magic keyboard, right? Like it just you know, we it's just a part of your setup now as it is for me, as it is with mine. How are you finding yourself using it, especially with like the modularity aspect and stuff? I think I'm still using it mostly with the magic keyboard, but it's also been kind of a weird week. So I I mostly like left my computer turned off and just I haven't actually gotten that much like writing work done lately so uh, i've just been busy with other things and i've been using the magic keyboard uh, mostly around the house and outside um so i haven't really gotten a chance to to rethink um how do i want to use this at my desk with the external display but that's probably what i'm gonna tackle next like this week and over the weekend um Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I sp- over the past week, I've, I've I've still been using mostly the Magic Keyboard, but I want to actually sit down and understand, okay, how do I rethink my desk now that I, if I still want to use the iPad with the, uh, with the external display and the trackpad and the mouse and the Magic Keyboard, like I want to come up with some, with, with a tweaked setup, if you will, um, to accommodate for for this change, so probably mm. the easiest solution would be to um, when I want to work like that to just unplug the iPad, um, make it lay flat on my desk without the Magic Keyboard, connect a cable, and use the Logitech keyboard and the Magic Trackpad uh, instead of having to find like another stand just for the iPad and the Magic Keyboard when I'm at my desk. So probably the easiest solution is just to remove the iPad from the Magic Keyboard and place it on my desk without any other additional protection. Maybe that's the easiest way to go. And then when I want to work on the Magic Keyboard, just get the iPad and put it back into the Magic Keyboard. Maybe that's what I'm going to do, I think. Did you see that um, Bridge have announced that they're releasing a uh, an app which will provide a firmware update for the Bridge Pro Plus? Yeah, I... I got an email about that uh, a while back. Yeah, um, it's interesting, right? I I do wonder how much they can fix with a with the firmware update. It's still unclear if the firmware update is mostly going to be all about um, improving the scrolling performance, which is some some of the one of the issues that that I mentioned that Jason mentioned, or if a firmware update is going to be enough to enable uh, something like uh, multi multi finger gestures, for example. I don't think so. So I've, I've been keeping my eye on their social media channels. And what they've said so far, like the only thing I've been able to find is that it will improve the tracking and scrolling and two-finger right-click. Mm. That's that's all the details that they've given. Whether it will introduce gestures, I don't know. But I yeah. I actually think it's not possible for them to do that. 
Um, yeah, it's not physically possible. Like it, it would need to be like a different trackpad altogether. I just do I don't even know if it's possible for them if iOS would let that work, right? right. To support the gestures that that the Magic Trackpad can, um, because you know, like with mice, they won't do anything unless you enable the accessibility settings and and program in the upper buttons and stuff, right? And the, in those accessibility settings, there isn't anything for trackpad gestures, so. You know, they might be able to get it to a point where, and what I hope is like, it can do everything well except that one thing. That's kind of where I, what I hope that this firmware will do. And I think at that point, if the downsides are, are only it doesn't click across the entire trackpad and it doesn't have the three things, it will be fine for the for the price point, right? Like if the if the general mousing experience is good, and it's only missing those features. It being cheaper is then fine at that point. Because again, like then the bridge has other things that the magic trackpad doesn't, right? Like it has more uh, adjustability in the angle. It has uh, media keys, right? And stuff like that. So at that point, if they can just get what they like, the, the basic experience to be good enough, then I think you're, you're back into comparison territory, but the proof will be in the pudding on that one. I'm very intrigued uh do you do you still have your unit i do yeah so when they release that maybe maybe next week we'll be able to i would love it if you could follow up on that and and let me know what that's like because i think i really hope that they can get it to that stage because then i think there is a viable option right they're not they're not you can't compare them exactly but they it's at least like a, a different thing that you'd be going for so i hope that they I hope that that it will do it. Like they come out with this uh, update, or the same comments update faster than I thought they would. So I have my fingers crossed. Do we know when the app is coming out? Do we? Do we have? He said this week. Okay. Okay. Well, then I can try it. Then yeah. Mm-hmm. This episode of Connected is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends at Smile. PDF Pen 12 is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac. The new version adds several useful features. You can optimize your PDFs for smaller file sizes with customizable image compression settings, which is awesome. Uh, you Sometimes you make a PDF or get one and it's massive for no reason. PDF Pen can help you out with that. Plus, it now supports built-in DocuSign support for digitally signing PDFs, something, Mike, I know you and I have to do quite a bit at work. Yep. And the magnifier window lets you magnify any part of a document independently of the document's zoom level, which can be really useful. Plus, PDF Pen supports Apple Script, so you can automate actions on your Mac. PDF Pen for Mac supports macOS Catalina, and PDF Pen for the iPad and iPhone supports iOS 13 and the Apple Pencil. Learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com podcast. If you do any work with PDFs, you need to check out PDF Pen. Go to smilesoftware.com podcast now. Our thanks to PDF Pen for their support of this show. And Relay FM. So, Stephen, you put out a YouTube video, which was, no offense, surprisingly enjoyable for the con- what the content appears to be on the surface, which is just you with a blindfold on trying to identify dongles by your hands. Uh, this came up. This this was an idea born in this show in the chat room uh, by listener Ian. Uh, I think really the video is 
enjoyable because you and Mary are in it together. I think that was the right move. If you would have done mm-hmm. this on your own, I, I think it wouldn't have been. So bravo on that. Been, yeah. I like the editing. I thought it was very funny. Uh, and the comments for this YouTube video are very good, which is like a... I don't know if that's a normal thing that you that you uh, have, but I was reading the, the comments to the video today, and there's lots of like... I really enjoy the people saying like it's the longest eight minutes of my life. And at first, I was like, "Oh, I thought they <laughs> thought this was boring," but no, it's because a dongle gets misplaced, which was accidental. That was not not planned in any way. That's drama, just to build the drama. But uh, yeah, I think you you did pretty well. Are you happy with yourself? Yeah, I think it was fun. It was. I think having Mary in it definitely made it, like you said, and mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, to put it together, and I um I shot this on two iPhones huh. on my 11 Pro and her new SE is not shot on my big camera. Why'd you do that? I knew I wanted to cut in between two points of view, and the difference between the two iPhones was far less than like my big camera and an iPhone. I don't know why you use your big camera. <laughs> I would never know. This looks <laughs> great. Yeah, I mean the the big camera just gives me a lot more flexibility, but hmm. this is now the second video I've shot in recent history just on an mm. iPhone and then with like external audio and syncing it together and it, it does give me faster workflow, but I still think my Sony will be my go-to unless there's a reason that I want to do the iPhone. Like the other one was the Cube video and all those shots outside, I just knew that like an iPhone would just be really mm. simple. I could just put it on a tripod, it would focus and not be a problem. And so I did the talking head on the iPhone as well. So with this having I know I wanted to shoot or two angles. And part of that was I wanted to, I was hoping to edit in some of the response stuff that I got. And I thought, okay, two angles will give me more options there. And I knew it was going to be long. I knew that identifying the dongles was going to take probably at least five minutes. I was thinking between five and ten minutes. I thought one camera angle on that would would get boring, and so changing between the two would also hmm. keep interest up a little bit. And and the two iPhones made just made more sense to me than using my Sony and then my iPhone as the as the B camera because the, the the fall off as far as quality is, is huge between those two. Yeah, I uh, but like the the performance of the iPhone was excellent. I mean, there are benefits in like you have lights, right? Did you light this? Yes. Yeah, I've got, I've, I've got, yeah, this is lit and I'm using the, I basically my mobile podcasting rig for mm-hmm. the audio. And so, yeah, you got to get around some things, but. The lighting makes such a big difference though, I think. Like just in general, mm-hmm. like I've noticed this recently, like just how bad the selfie camera still is if it's not like mm-hmm. a well-lit environment. Like if you if you have a room that is lit by like a light on the ceiling and there's no natural light coming in, it's just so soft, right? Like mm-hmm. I I would I really want to see I just want so like all cameras to get better, right? Like not just the main shooter cameras. Like webcams need to get better, selfie cams need to get better, right? Like they all need to get better. Yeah, and too much effort is put into. These other cameras, when I would love to know the breakdown of like the average person, like are they taking more selfies than they are like regular photos, and and even if they're not, how close are those two things? Yeah. So I I would like to see it. I saw even a a little bit difference between the SE and my 11 Pro. The straight on shot is my phone, and the one at angle is Mary's, and you can you can tell a little bit of difference. They are different cameras Um, though, right? 
Yes, yeah, they're different cameras, you know. So, but the quality is a little is is definitely better on the 11 Pro. But all in all, I was happy with how it performed, uh, you know. And I could just I sat down and airdrop the the clips to my Mac Pro and just chopped it up real quick. That was really awesome. So dealing with SD cards and stuff, but I don't think I'm going to switch to the iPhone for major projects. I'm shooting one the end of this week or early next week um, for a Mac Power Users episode. Uh, we're doing a video tie-in thing, and uh, that'll be on my Sony, I'm sure. Well, that was very fun. Yeah, glad y'all enjoyed it. To celebrate my video, Apple released the new laptop. Is that how we went? Is that is that really? I released the video, mm. and then there was a new laptop. I don't see how it could be any other situation sure we'll go with that we can go with that <laughs> uh so on monday it was like when's the last time apple released a product on a monday I, I don't even know other than like wwc announcements monday they usually don't do stuff anyways new uh new macbook pro the 13 inch um as i'm talking i've realized that today microsoft released a bunch of studio stuff and so maybe they want to get out ahead of that how would they know i don't know i assume these companies know a lot about each other's <laughs> schedules yeah, maybe but uh who knows anyways on monday so the 13 inch macbook pro got the magic keyboard so physical escape key inverted t arrows most importantly switches that aren't terrible the 13 inch macbook pro is still really two computers y'all spoke about this an upgrade uh, and we have a link to john's coverage on mac stories but it's the two port machine which has got older processors and slower ram and then it has the four-port model that has new 10th gen processors that are faster and faster RAM uh, that now caps out 32 gigs of RAM on a 13-inch machine. You can also do a four terabyte SSD. So you can spec a 13-inch MacBook Pro to be pretty expensive, but really be uh, a workhorse. But this is not the 14-inch machine uh, that, that was rumored. I still think that's totally possible, but I think that Apple was in a position where they really needed to replace this keyboard. And so this is a spec bump, basically, that also includes the new keyboard. So it's really nice to be able to say, yeah, if you need an Apple laptop, there's one at basically any price point that's a a, a good one to buy. There's you know pros and cons to individual mm-hmm. SKUs, and there's still some overlap between the MacBook Air and the low-end MacBook Pro, I think. But the in, I think the line is clearer now than it's been in probably five or six years. Well, probably four or five years. Since the addition of the 12-inch MacBook, from that moment to now, it's been messy. But I think now Apple totally has uh, gotten things under control. $3,600 is the the top, the very toppy top of everything ranked up. Um, so that's the 2.3 gigahertz quad-core, 32 gigabytes of RAM, 4 terabytes SSD. It's $3,600. It's a, it's an expensive computer, but the a lot of people really like this size. You know, I've had I had a series of 13-inch MacBook Pros. I'm currently on a bigger one, but this is a very popular machine, and I think people who want the 13-inch but want a lot of power or need like a lot of storage, things that used to push people to the 15 or the 16-inch, now you can really put that stuff in a 13. You'll pay for it, like you said, but it gives people flexibility, and I, I think. On the whole, this is a really solid update. I mean, it's not the most exciting update, right? A 14 would be way more exciting. But this finally fixes the notebook line. I find it strange. I find it... I just find it strange, like, that this... The 16 is so much better 
in a bunch of ways than the 13. Right, like the revised cooling, the better speakers. Mm-hmm, the bigger screen. Smaller bezels. And, and that's why I think the 14 is still coming, because the 13 does feel weird. You know, like, it doesn't get all the cool stuff that its big brother gets. And it's actually a really interesting Reddit thread uh, we'll have in the show notes about maybe the exact screen size. And, like, there's a lot of sort of evidence or, like, thinking around that it actually be, like, 13.7. Because going all the way to 14 would be a big jump from 13.3. And it'd be kind of weird. But maybe it's a little less than 14. But But you're totally right. A lot of the features of the 16 aren't here. But I think they've gotten they've taken care of all the core issues, and so that will just be bonus at some point in the future. Mm. You know, maybe this fall or or sometime next year. I I would be. Re- I mean, we're not going to see a fourteen inch at WWDC, right? Yeah, I think this probably lasts out for the rest of twenty twenty now. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe you know, maybe this time next year we get the fourteen. You know, the sixteen now. It, you know, I guess would be eligible for 10th gen processors. So maybe we see that at WWDC because it has the 9th gen now. I say that not knowing the specific SKUs and what Intel has to offer at the moment, but this is a 10th gen processor and a notebook. And now the 16 is one generation behind. So there is some room for other notebook updates this year, but I agree with you. I think this 13 is going to ride out, uh, you know, probably the rest of the year, if not, if not a little longer. Federico, is this a laptop going to grace your home? I know that you'd. I don't know if we've mentioned it on the show before, but I know that Sylvia was looking for a new computer. Yeah, we were, uh, but I don't think this is the one. I think we're still gonna hold out for when it eventually gets a redesign with mm. like another with like a uh, the different uh, display, uh, like the bigger display with the smaller bezels. I think we're still gonna hold out for that because it like it sure it's got the new keyboard, but I mean Sylvia's keyboard is still fine. Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario, there's still the program going on, the Apple repair keyboard repair program. So. I think she she also wants to wait until you know the, the computer is totally fine. She's got a 2017 MacBook Pro, 13 inch, so she can probably wait until the 2021 refresh. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it'll even be an ARM based MacBook Pro. Who knows, right? I mean, could be <laughs> could be possible. Uh, but but yeah, I think she she she's fine for now. Like that computer does everything she needs. She doesn't do uh, she doesn't do Final Cut, and it's totally fine for Photoshop, Illustrator, that kind of stuff. So no, this is not going to be in our home. I'm afraid. Well, what about you, Mike? You've been you've been holding out for something. Yeah, I'm holding out for a hero. I don't even know anymore. It's like one. I'm not going to buy a laptop right now, right? Because like I don't, I have no use for it right now. Because the 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 this laptop is to serve two purposes. It's to be my traveling machine. Don't need that, and to be the computer in my studio. Uh, to record on so then it will be able to be the traveling machine and and i don't need that right now so i and i've been still been going backwards and forwards and i still can't work out i just can't work out whether an air or this is better for me like i just don't know what the right machine would be honestly for like my usage I I can't imagine that I would really do anything on this machine that an air couldn't handle. But I just I can't I can't I can't work it out. I can't work out what I want to do. I just can't work out what I want to do. 
I mean, I know the thing that killed the escape for me back in the day when that was a laptop was the two ports. You know, you got power going into one and then you got a USB interface. And I, for one, want my interface plugged right into the computer. Maybe that's like just silliness, but I don't want to run my audio interface through and a through like a, a third like a hub or something like i want to plug straight in and and that made the escape a little bit more difficult now if you're going to use it with an external display and you could power the machine from the display i mean that that helps but the two port thing can be tough in a, in a more professional environment like for most people it's not a problem like the way my wife uses her macbook air she has the first of the new ones so it's got the old keyboard and uh and one of the keys is a little sticky, which is concerning. <laughs> There's no Apple stores open, but it uh, that thing, you know, has one cable going to it to her LG 4K display and her Time Machine drive, and she's an external SSD for her photo library. They're just plugged into the display itself, which is awesome. But in your case, I would just really think about: is the number of ports going to be an issue for you? Uh, I mean, whether. So when I'm in the studio, I'm gonna I'm I'm going to find some kind of dock anyway, right? Whether it's into everything can go into some kind of USB C dock, right? Like or Thunderbolt, whatever you want to call it. And that's how all the peripherals will be managed. Like that's what I'm gonna do. Maybe I would plug my interface straight in, but still at that point I'm gonna have enough, right? Because I only need two cables, one for the dock, which will provide power, and then one for the USB interface. But to be mm-hmm. honest, I think I'd I'd I just want one cable. Then it's like when I'm traveling, but then I still don't need more than two, like when I'm recording. And I've only ever had two because I went from the two port MacBook Pro before when I'm like, and that was perfectly fine. Yeah. Like the power in both of these machines is is perfectly sufficient. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, you know, I thought that the decision would be made for me because size and space and like weight was a thing for me because like you're traveling with it. These machines are very close. And I figured, oh, they'll make the the MacBook Pro bigger, and then that will mean I won't want it. But they didn't do that, so they didn't make it an easier decision for me. I don't, I don't know. I mean, price is a thing, right? I can get a MacBook Air doing, you know, with like the storage that I need and the RAM that I really want for cheaper than I can get a MacBook Pro in the same configuration, right? Like, I know it's not the same because the chips are different and all that kind of stuff. But, like, I don't think I would want more than 16 gigabytes of RAM. I don't think it's necessary for what I'm going to be doing on that machine. And I want a one terabyte uh, SSD. So at that point, like, I think I could configure a MacBook Air and it would be cheaper than the starting price of the macbook pro and i don't want the starting macbook pro if i'm going to get the macbook pro i want the one that has the new stuff in it otherwise why get the macbook pro so i would then be up to mm-hmm. two thousand dollars in the door so yeah i don't know i have i can't work this one out now and i also don't need to right? so like i'm just i'm gonna keep mulling it over but th- what i hoped would solve my conundrum for me hasn't happened Right, yeah. Because also, it's like I liked I liked the Touch Bar. I'm I am a Touch Bar fan, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much I would use it if it's going to be like if I have my machine when I'm recording at the studio plugged into a display. So I don't right. think I'm going to use the the Touch Bar then. So then it's like, well, then do I need the Touch Bar at all? Like, probably not. Mm. Like, I I think I might still be leaning towards MacBook Air 
honestly. Yeah, and just get get one with like a nice SSD in it and mm-hmm. a bunch of RAM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, the thing that I would consider too, because bef- in between my iMac Pro and my Mac Pro, I used my MacBook Pro with my LG 5K. And something that really bothered me, and you, I think you just need to like, when you can, sit at your new desk and see if it would be an issue is the touch bar does stuff even if you're not interacting with it because you're like flipping between apps and stuff. And out of the corner of my eye, I found that incredibly incredibly distracting i think it would be more distracting for me off to the side than it was when it was right in front of me like right in front of me i didn't find it distracting but off to the side i probably would i really didn't like it and i think that that could be a factor because that's how you're going to use the machine 98 percent of the time right it's going to be in this arm and you have a display in front of you and that alone I mean, I guess you could you could try that. I think you still have that loaner 16 inch. You mm-hmm. could see if that would bother you, but my guess is it will. And I mean that. I mean that seems like a silly thing, but that's how you're going to use the computer most of the time. Like I was dr- driven to madness by after like three days of that, and I, I used it in that configuration for about th- two or three weeks, and I was really glad when I could get rid of that. So I'd put that on your list to consider as well. You know, I, I think you could do a MacBook Air. Get a pretty nice one. Still spend less than a nice 13-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah, you don't have the touch bar, but most of the time you're not using it where the touch bar is even useful because it's floating in midair, right? You're not going to reach over to the touch bar to pick an emoji. It's just silly to think about that. Mm-hmm. So I think for your needs, if you can live on two ports, I think a nice MacBook Air, you know, do the 16 gigs of RAM, pick it. You know, I don't, I don't think I'd even max out the CPU because you also have to worry about fan noise. So middle-of-the-range CPU and a SSD that's big enough, I kind of think that's the way you should go. And you'll save some money in the, the time as well. And it is a little bit thinner and lighter. So when you travel, it's, it's not a big difference, but it's a little difference. Hmm. I think a nice MacBook Air. I'm specking them out now. Uh-huh. And uh, this, is, this actually ends up way closer than I would have expected. So if I bump up the MacBook Air to a 1.2 gigahertz quad-core... Mm-hmm. 16 gigabytes of RAM and one terabyte SSD. It's 1,849 pounds. Hmm. The MacBook Pro, two gigahertz, two gigahertz processor, 16 gigabytes of RAM, one terabyte of storage, 1,999 pounds. So it's 150 pounds difference. Wow. So close. that's too close now. So Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um the the chat room is saying too that there are I should know this I just said a MPU about better touch tool there are there are ways to customize the touch bar where it doesn't do that sort of stuff you can yep. there's actually an app called I think No Touch or No Bar it just came out that basically turns off the touch bar so you right. could work around that but yeah that price being so close like I don't know you can get the MacBook Air in pink though so like that's a that's a win or the gold yeah. I know you like gold. I do like gold, but the that price, like the MacBook Air being like eighteen forty nine, yeah, bleh. it's an expensive <laughs> MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, keep thinking on it. You got some time, but I yeah. kind of lean towards the Air for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Federico, do you have any life problems I could fix for you? You uh, didn't think fix my problem. I gave you a suggestion. You didn't fix it though. That's a big difference between I made a suggestion and I fixed it. I'll tell you, I got a big, I got a big down think problem, Stephen. Yes. 
that, that so that's a problem. Uh, well, for example, so can you can you explain to me, like, uh, uh, hold on, you were serious, right? With the sure, yeah. I don't know if I can help you, but we can we can do this real quick. No, but like, um, so I texted you guys today about this issue. John mentioned in our group conversation uh, an app for the iPhone, and I was sure that that app I heard about somewhere before, right? Uh, like I I recognize the name, I recognize the icon, I recognize the screenshot. I I knew that I've seen that app somewhere, and so I opened Raindrop, which is where I uploaded hundreds of PDF documents uh, from the Mac Stories weekly newsletters. And I searched for the app's name and I couldn't find anything. But because, as I mentioned, I am giving DevonThink a try. And by giving it a try, I just mean that I threw like 250 PDF documents in it. And every once in a while, I open the app and I search for something and I see what happens. Sort of comparing the search results with Raindrop. And sure enough, I, I typed the name of the app in DevonThink for the iPhone. And it, it found it like within a couple of seconds. So... Uh, and that was a PDF, uh, I believe, issue 56 of Mac Stories Weekly. So three years ago or something like that. Uh, and, and it took like two seconds in DevonThink to, to find that specific result. Now, I will continue my experiment with DevonThink, but Stephen, you need to explain to me what's the deal with inboxes, global inboxes, and da databases. Mm. What does this all mean? I just want to have... Uh, look, I just want to have folders, right? I just want to have a folder that says Maxwell's sure. Weekly and another that says Monthly Log and another that says Random Stuff. You know, stuff, stuff like I don't want to deal with like, what's a global inbox? I don't. Everything should be all global always. And what's a database? Like I want to have a okay. single database or should I have separate databases? Please help me. Please, please teach me. So I use multiple. Let me actually pull up my settings. So I use um, multiple databases. So I've got why, but why six. though? Like, wh why should it be multiple databases? Like, how do you how do you decide? So I did it because my structure was really simple. Like, I knew what my big buckets were going to be, and I'm up to seventeen thousand items okay. in DevonThink, and I thought, well, mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense maybe to break those out. I don't know if that's like how you should do it, but that's the way I've done it. So. Quite the flex. Okay. <laughs> Most of them are just pictures of you on the beach. Sure. Okay. That's, that's, that's not creepy. Weird it's flex. Not creepy. So <laughs> it's fine. It's totally normal. The pictures. It's totally normal. So each of the databases has its own inbox. And then global, the global Wait, inbox. Wait, well, no, 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 no. Hold back up a second. Yeah. Each database? Mm hmm. Oh my God. I need to. Uh, yes. Oh God. I'm, I'm looking at that one thing on the Mac. Um, this. Look, okay. Yeah, careful. Um, uh, before you know it, you'll have 17,000 items. So, you'll, but you'll but like here's me. my problem. So I don't know what I've done, right? And mm -hmm. now it says, so this is very confusing. So in the sidebar, it says globals. So the name of a section in the sidebar is globals. And under globals, there's inboxes. Mm -hmm. uh, and under inboxes, so you can, you can close and expand inboxes, right? So if I expand it, Inboxes as a thing called inbox. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. And at the same level, there's Club Mac Stories, which is where I created two folders. Right. I don't remember. Is Club Mac Stories a database? Like, I, like, 
how do I know what I've done? Because I don't... Oh, yeah, it must be a database because if I right-click on it, it says close database. Within a database, you can have uh, a group. So, for instance, my... A group is a folder. Software database. Okay. A group is a folder. So, I have applications, BOS, classic macOS, macOS 10. And so I have a group with different groups within the database, and then the database has its own inbox. So if I just want to deal with something later, you can put it in that inbox. The global See, inbox is a I view got, of, did, of That's all where of I got lost. That's where I got lost. Okay. Because Club Mac Stories doesn't have its own inbox. Right, because it's a group. Oh, no, I guess it does, though. Even though I don't see it in the sidebar... I see it in the title bar. Oh my God, this is so confusing. So in the sidebar, it just says Club Mac Stories. Uh-huh. And Club Mac Stories contains monthly log and weekly. Right. But then if I look in the... So I have a three-column view mm-hmm. going on right now. And if I look in the middle column, there's like a... Like a what's it called? Breadcrumb navigation? Yes. Uh, thing. So there's like a path bar, but it's at the top, right? Um, and it says Club Mac Stories, arrow, inbox. So Club Mac Stories does have its own inbox. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Basically, any so, like most organization options in here have an inbox, so you can just sort things later. I really don't use them. Like I know if I'm going to import a bunch of PDFs, I know what group it's going to go in, so I just dump it, dump it right into the into the group. Okay. So each database can have its own inbox, mm-hmm. but then why? I still don't understand globals inboxes. An inbox yeah, is contained so, within inboxes. Yeah, so that global That's inbox... the inbox for inboxes. Yeah, everything has an <laughs> inbox. Even inboxes has an and inbox. And why, like, what What does it mean to be global? It's like, global to me? I'm the only user. Global meaning, global across, global meaning across all of your uh, databases. So uh, if right now I have an, an inbox item in hardware and an inbox item in software... The global inbox shows me both of those. It's it's a, it's a listing of anything in any of your inboxes anywhere. And I think the the reason it's there is maybe you put it in an inbox, but you want it in a different group, and it just gives you a way to. It's a it's a unified inbox like email. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a unified uh, inbox. If you think of each database like an email account, this makes global, more sense. Globals, right? Because then every oh, email account email. has an inbox. Yeah, think of it like email. Yeah. yeah. I think it's clearer that way. They should have had like a message somewhere in the tool, in the title that says it's like email, like parentheses. It's like email. You Tell you what, Stephen, Mike fixed it for me. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never used this app. I have 11 days left in my trial. Uh-huh. It all comes down to these 11 days. Yeah, you got to cram in this period of time. How expensive is this? How expensive is this? I'm going to buy the super expensive one. I'm going to buy the super expensive one. I'm going to buy the the what what Devon thinks server. That's what I'm going to buy. I'm going to run a server and and make it global. Perfect for everybody. I have established this on upgrade this week. I've established it in many places. I am adverse to digital data hoarding. Right? Like I do not want to do it at all. And yeah, you're like John Voorhees, basically. I guess. Well, I guess. So, like, any system like this, <laughs> it just doesn't work for me at all, right? Like, I just... It, it, mm, but this is a major reveal, though. This changes everything for me. Inboxes and inbox. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, help you. it's like email. Okay, so this now, this now changes quite a few things for me. 
Because mm-hmm. realistically, I could keep using Raindrop for um, web links, stuff that is not work-related, and use that one thing for work, and PDF documents and web archives. Hmm. Sounds good to me. But what I think the thing that you have uh, uncovered is that you can't continue to use Raindrop for its purpose. See, that was also something that I really struggled to accept because I really like Raindrop and I really like the icon. I know that it's a silly thing, but um, I do. And also Raindrop, like, find me. Here's a challenge for... This is not Adapt, but here's a challenge for everybody. Find me a faster system than Raindrop when it comes to saving a link and then later when you open the app, you tap on the item and it opens safari v controller with a single tap i have looked at so many different bookmarking and like read later solutions all of them either are too slow or come with their own like custom web browser which i don't ever want to see ever again on ios or ipad os raindrop is also very good looking like in the, the the custom collections that you can create in the sidebar with the custom icons, super nicely, you know, done and pretty when you organize everything. Like its purpose, like Raindrop's purpose as your application to allow you to save and find information for in, in Club Mac Stories, it's proven unsuccessful at that task. For, yeah, for that, for that, for that, it it needs to it needs to lose that purpose um mm-hmm. so maybe like i don't know maybe devon think doesn't replace raindrop completely exactly exactly but just for this task mm. like the archiving of club max stories newsletters uh which it, in and of itself it's like a huge deal it's an important part of your work it's an imp- yeah it is and also like arguably more important than saving like pdfs of OS 7 or whatever. Hey. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but also, you know, more important than saving Pokemon links in, in Raindrop. Much more important much than more that. Important. Yes, much, much, much more important than that. Ah, so global inboxes, huh? That's mm. how it works. Mm. Inboxes. Interesting. In, this is very, this is all, the, I got to figure this out not only in 11 days, but before WWDC. So. Um, oh, right, because this is also what app do you use for the research collection, right? Yeah, and I've, yes, exactly. And I feel like not being able to find that word in that PDF document was a sign, was the sign that I needed that that system will not scale for WWDC. I think Devon Think is probably the WWDC research collection app this year. Mm. If there is one thing we know from Steven is that this app is like as good as it gets for research collection. Yeah. And... And like re- recalling, and I know it's maybe not perfect on iOS, but you have a Mac Mini. Like, if you're struggling with something on iOS, just open up uh, screens or whatever, and just use it on the Mac. Like, Mac is an app, am I right? Hmm. He, Stephen does like his research. I do. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the one thing we know about Stephen is that he likes research. The only thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's the one thing we can all agree it's on. Literally, the only thing we know about him. He likes everything research. else is a mystery. But yeah, I'm sure we'll keep talking about. I mean, we still have 11 days, so that would be at least another episode of Connected, and then another like not next week, but the week after next week, 
will have reached, and by we, I mean I, will have reached a, a decision, a consensus on what, what whatever's going to happen to Devon Think. Do you think, though? Like, why is the trial, like, the end? The trial might not be the end. Well, usually, I mean, it, it's going to stop working unless I pay up. So right, but like you spent still more pay, money or more right? stupid things. I can yeah, still like, pay and <laughs> still be skeptical. Like, right? I didn't make up my mind yet, and the trials are. But over, I'm so. still gonna pay though. <laughs> That's totally so. That is totally <laughs> something that I would do. Spend two hundred dollars on something that I'm not sure whether is I was gonna use it or no. It's two hundred dollars. Uh, I think it is. <laughs> Stephen, how much does Devon think? I think it's two hundred. I think so. There's different um, <laughs> Look, levels. I could spend five hundred on the server edition. But you know, I want to. I want to. want to be a good boy and spend two hundred. Why do you? How do you know you don't need it? What if you decide? That's like working with groups, and it gives you web stuff. And no, I don't have any group. Yeah. It's just me doing things with the computer. Mm. What's a computer, really? When you think about it, there's a ninety-nine dollars standard edition. What does it mean that I can get additional seats? What's what's a seat? Uh, it's if John also wants to use it. What is this terminology? Additional seats. It seats seats. It's like an enterprise thing. It just means users. I just say users then. Oh my god, this yeah. is like global inboxes. Yeah, <laughs> we're back <laughs> like in that world. Just additional users. Oh my god. I use the pro version because it has all the OCR stuff that I want. Ah, uh, I also want that. The only thing that server adds is a web interface. So you can basically host it, and then other people can see it. So who cares about the web? The web is dead. Who cares about that? Um, right, but if if you add a web, in, I bet the web interface is more fully featured than the iOS app. <laughs> Damn, Michael! <laughs> wow. <laughs> My point is, if Savage. the web version is more, I, the point I'm trying to make is, if the web version is more fully featured in the iOS app, you might want the server edition because then you can get all the features on your iPad. All right, whatever. So let's see your cart, Devon Think Pro. Like I use Airtable in Safari only. I don't have the app installed because, however, they do they do have some nice things uh, you might also like. Dave, what is Devon Agent? I kind of want that Devon Agent. Got a cool icon. Yeah, maybe. I hadn't finished my point about Airtable though. Wait, like we talked about Airtable. That talk about talk about. Yeah, I am now. Where is this episode because going? <laughs> it's going into other places now. The, the hijinks have returned. Japes are back. Um, the, the Airtable. I use Airtable all the time now, and I have never encountered. Wait, are you an, serious? A, a service. Are you serious right yeah. now? Okay. Yes. I can come back to a while later, maybe. I've never encountered a service that is so good with an app that is so bad. Hmm. I agree with that. Yes. Because like Airtable is amazing, <laughs> but like for the last... No, it's worse than Notion. Like for the last year, right? Like they have all these amazing views, right? So you can yeah. have you can take a set of data and look at it in a bunch of different ways. And whenever you tap on the view change, it just pops up saying like, other views are coming soon. And like it's always said that for as long as I've ever used it. So now I have just deleted the app from uh, my iPad and I just use it in, on the web because that... I get everything I need. And I honestly cannot fathom what they're doing at Airtable because it's not like they don't know that they need to have this feature because they coded into the application a, a dialogue that says, come in soon, <laughs> right? And I pay them. Like, I pay the money. Like, it, you can use it for free, but, like, I pay Airtable. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, wh what is going on with your application? Madness, madness. 
I bet Devon thinks fully featured. I should switch to Devon. <laughs> it won't make any <laughs> sense for them like doing, but I might this, as well just do it's it. Got all this, Everyone's it's got all these it. nice icons, right? It's got inspectors. It's one of those apps that instead of saying sync, it says synchronize, which makes it sound mm-hmm. so much more professional. Like I'm that's, synchronizing. That's, you know? that's what you pay for the professional you're not version syncing, for. You're and not the standard, it just says sync. You're synchronizing your data. <laughs> it means it's going like to, I don't know, somewhere like to the, to you know, to like to space. It's synchronizing. You How know? is the data synced? With iCloud, at least for me. You can encrypt okay. your databases. Actually, that's pretty cool. You know, you can, you have plenty of controls. Like you can do Dropbox, you can do iCloud. Uh, you can do WebDAV, probably, which I'm sure Mike has plenty of WebDAV servers. Oh, man, I'm running so many WebDAV servers over here, you wouldn't even believe. They're used to calling Mike WebDAV Hurley back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <so>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that day is now, my friend. I'm still very active on the forums. <laughs> really are you, though? The WebDAV forums? Yeah, man. The we- oh, you think there are WebDAV forums? <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It's my homepage. Uh, so anyway, um, I I am going to I'm gonna wait another week for Devon Think, and then I will make a decision. I honestly like the only thing that I've done so far is create two folders, be confused by inboxes, and mm-hmm. I also created a smart search. I was really proud of that. Right. I have a smart Good. search in the sidebar that searches for music bot. Um, and gives me all the newsletters where I mentioned music bot. So you're going to have to create a new database for WWDC stuff, right? So according to Steven, I should create a new yes. database. Yeah, I think for so. For WWDC 2020. Mm-hmm. And then what, Steven? Like inside the database, multiple groups for features? Or? Yeah, I mean, you could have... Yeah, group... Or maybe you do a group based on like what you think the rough outline of the review is going to be. So like... User features, APIs, UI. I don't know. It'll come to you. But also, Stephen, like, I am very confused because at the bottom of this sidebar, there's a final section called Smart Rules. Mm-hmm. And there's four of them. Mm-hmm. So one I understand, filtered duplicates. I'm assuming that this returns duplicate stuff. Reminders is mm-hmm. the second one, which I assume you can attach some sort of reminder to a file. Then I'm very confused by the third one, mm-hmm. automatic locking. Yeah, I don't know what that does. And lastly, Bates numbering. Mm-hmm. Who's Bates? Bates numbering is used in the legal, medical, and business fields to place one or more yep. identifying numbers, date, uh, and time marks on images and documents as they are scanned or processed. I know this because uh, Smile added it to PDF Pen. And I needed Bates. to say it in an ad. And I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I looked it up. It sounds, it sounds like Bates. It sounds like the name of an antagonist. Like, I don't know, you, like, like you have Bill Gates and you have Gil Bates. Mm. You know? <laughs> or, you know, Norman Bates. <laughs> I know what auto-locking does, by the way, if you want to know. Uh-huh. You can lock files, and that is a rule about how they're locked. Yeah, so it's... So I guess when you lock a file, you can't change yeah. it. Or I guess if you're sharing this, no one could do it. Mm. So I don't know. Like if you've got an extra seat or two. Y- yeah. You wouldn't... So you wouldn't believe me, but Gil Bates exists. <laughs> of course Gil Bates <laughs> yeah, <why> exists. <laughs> it's like six billion Gil, people on the planet, Gil right? Gil Bates like, is the son of Bill and Jane G- Bates. He's the older brother of Greg Bates <laughs> and Wait, Jennifer. Bill Bates? G- no, Gil Bates. 
<laughs> no, but you said what was the parents' names? The son of Bill. Yeah, Bill Bates. Bill Bates. <laughs> <laughs> so there is something to the theory that Gil Bates is the antagonist of Bill Gates in this timeline. It's like Nemesis, right? Yeah, he's the son of Bill Bill Bates. <laughs> it's like Bill Gil Bates is part of Bill Gates' origin story. Hold on a second. I'm on this page, right? Is this like a TV show or something? So I'm very, so I'm very. Con- I don't know. <laughs> We're not looking at what you're so looking at. I'm very at. confused, right? It says okay. that. Uh, so I just googled Gil Bates, <laughs> and it says that. Hold on, Strapian. Um, he is the father of Zach Lawson, Nathan, Trace, Katie, Jackson, Warden, Isaiah, <laughs> Adley, <laughs> Ellie, Kelly, Judson, and Jeb. Uh, Michaela, uh, wait, Gil, <laughs> you've been busy, buddy. Erin, Alyssa, Tori, Carlin, and Josie. What? Wow, <laughs> Gil, wow. my man, you stumbled across a TV show called Bringing Up Bates. <laughs> oh my god, it's an American reality TV show on Up TV centered around Gil and Kelly Joe Bates and their 19 children. <laughs> And the way the logo is stylized, they replaced the I and the G, so in bringing, to be 19. So it's actually Barun Nining but Bates. That's how it's said. But yeah, you've stumbled across (laughs) this this very peculiar looking reality TV show. So this is not I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Casey Liss has watched this show. I guarantee (laughs) it. So wait... (laughs) I am going to text him and ask him if he's ever watched it. I am confused. Does he really have 19 children? Yeah. That's what the show's so, about. It's a reality it's TV a re- show about a family of 22. Oh, my. Wow. Gil. I mean, congrats. It's quite quite the accomplishment. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh. <laughs> Why? I think it's time to move on. Uh, it says that he had an excavating, <laughs> an excavating career. <laughs> Oh, oh, he excavates trees. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I hope that's a well-paying career. Is nineteen children? You know, you gotta, you gotta pay the bills. <laughs> nineteen children. You would forget their names, right? Like Nine, nineteen. Oh, uh, I, I said a family of twenty-two. I meant a family of twenty-one. I can't do basic maths. Nineteen. So. Con- congrats, um, Gil Bates for inver- inventing the uh, numbering system and uh, bringing so much life into this world. So much. So much life. Anyway. He's building an army to take down <laughs> Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Time to move on. I'm ending this here. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea or project with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and much more. Maybe you need an online store or a portfolio or you want to write a blog or host a podcast or show off your photography. Whatever you want to do, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of it. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. No upgrades are needed. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Let's you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've been working on a Squarespace site for a food mission here in Memphis. And it's it's really great to be able to 
take an organization with a really bad old website. Mike, you saw their old website. It was it was rough. It was no bueno. It was no bueno and totally reinvent it with Squarespace in a really very short period of time. And when it's done, they'll be able to go and edit the content on their own really easily. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash connected. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for the support of the show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. WWDC na- dates have been announced. It is the week of June 22nd, and Connected, well, two-thirds of Connected, is featured prominently on the announcement artwork. Mike's left out again, isn't he? <laughs> Come on. Left out again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is not... I, for example, so there's this image, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, allegedly one guy would be Steven and the other guy would be me. However, I have mm-hmm. never worn a hat in my life like yeah. that. And S- Steven's never worn safety goggles. You like don't know. Either. Also, I don't have red but, hair. But well, it's, it's close enough. Kind of do though. Kind of do, and I could see you in safety goggles. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know when you clean your old Macs, for example. Sure. Uh, Although I do, I do kind of like the theory that I've sort of concealed myself in a hat and glasses because I'm using a MacBook and so I'm hiding from other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. I think it's fun that they are that they are using Memoji uh, for an online event. Sort of a um, it, it suggests you know that you know we're living in these weird times and we're communicating digitally much more than before. So I kind of like that theme. However, I do not like the prominence of MacBooks. I feel like they should have had some variety, you know, have some iPads in there. It is weird that it's only MacBooks. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, well, no Xcode no. for iPad, I guess. Is that is that your theory? You can only do real development on a Mac. I mean, sure, for now, you you may be right, for sure. But do we want to address the fact that we will be recording episode 300 during WWDC? Yep, it lined up perfectly. Uh, episode 300 is June 24th. So assuming, I mean, there's nothing to... We can make basic assumptions that the keynote will be on Monday. Like, we can assume this because otherwise we wouldn't be able to do anything else. Um, which means that by Wednesday, which is when we will record, uh, it will be our 300th episode, which is just a great mixture of two things, isn't it? It's fantastic. It means that you know, we would have not done 300 live because, I mean, I, I really think that this is later than it would have been otherwise. otherwise. Yeah, they weren't going to, it wasn't going to be this yeah. week for sure. Like, it was definitely going to mm-hmm. be earlier. There's there's still a lot of ambiguity about this, right? So I agree with you, like, the candidate's got to be Monday. Like, how do you do sessions about things you haven't announced in a keynote? Like, that would be strange. But in mm-hmm. this press release, there's a link in the show notes, Apple's doing what they did when they said it was going to go online only. Like, yes. We're going to have more than 23 million people at WBDC. It's like, well, I mean, kind of. Like, it is great because it means, and some people on Twitter pointed this out, that means that WBDC will be on much more equal footing for everybody. But I don't know if I'd count those 
chickens until they've hatched because we still don't know a lot of things. We don't know, like, you know, will sessions be limited in number or how are labs going to work? And and, even, and Schiller's quote in the press mm. release is like, you know, we're looking forward to sharing more details with everyone as we get closer. So I think they're probably still working this out. But uh, this does not mean, like, everyone's going to have lab access, right? There's still going to be parts of this that will be limited just because you can't shove 23 million people down the throats of a thousand Apple engineers. Like there is still a, a misbalance, but I don't know. Uh, I have some real time mm, follow up. Oh Would you like some real time follow up? Maybe. Casey is not seen bringing up Bates, but he's going to now. Really? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe. You've piqued his interest. He said he, he watched a show that was similar to this one, but not this one. So I feel like he maybe just hadn't heard of it. Like, if he yeah. would have heard of it, maybe he would have watched it. You know, maybe WBC would just be a Devin Think database that Phil Schiller sends out to everybody. Mm-hmm. That'd save us a lot of time, really, because I could just have the Mac group, and Federer could have the iOS and iPadOS group, and we could, we could really just get to work quickly. Yeah, I think having the date is the most important part. Um, everything else, I think, is less important. Uh, because if they do sessions, the sessions are going to be limited. Not everybody, like the interactive stuff, not everyone's going to get to go to those anyway. So for the vast majority of people that are in the Apple development community, the main thing they need to know is the date, right? So they they can block out the time that they might need to consume the content that is being uh, shared in whatever way they would have done it in previous years because, you know, as we've established many times, everybody knows, the amount of people that actually go to the conference, it's not 23 million, it's like 1,500 people or something, right? Like it's Or how many how many thousands is it that go to WWDC? Five? I don't know. However, it's a couple of thousand, right? Yeah, I think five. Five million. Right, so that's like way less, obviously, than the 23 million people that Schiller is, is talking about, right? Which is, and I'm sure, many, many, many of those people are consuming some level of the content. So really, it's just about people knowing when will the content begin, because then they can also be like, all right, so then my work needs to begin, right? Like June 23rd, people need to start developing for iOS 14, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's the plan if you're a developer. So like the most important thing to know is the date. Um, it's interesting, like at this point, and Federico is probably is, speaks to you the most, right? Those three weeks, two, three weeks of difference, like for you, you got to hope that that's two, three weeks of difference yeah, on the other end exactly. as well, right? Because otherwise they just took two weeks away yep. from you. When would you expect iOS 14 to have been released? It's, this is very sure it won't be, but like, what, like middle to late September? No, I'm hoping early October, honestly. But like, that, no, we would have expected, right? Uh around kind of like based on previous years uh, in a normal year uh, yeah uh, mid-september like some usually yeah. like between september 12 and september 14 like those are the days usually yeah but now i want to hope at the very least late september ideally first week of october that would be super chill i think it's fair to say though it's going to be easier on you. Like, I am very confident in the fact that this is going to be a smaller iOS release than what we would have got otherwise. Don't say that. Don't jinx me. I don't think it's going to be nothing. I don't think it's going to be a bug fix year. I don't. I think they're going to have stuff, but you've. I can only assume it's less. Or it's less that will actually, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year where they 
actually say that some features like are going to come later, mm. right? Like, and they may be a bit more clear about that than they have been in the past, um, because they must be aware of their capability right now, and it can't be to deliver what was supposed to be iOS 14 in September. Surely, surely, it would be wild to even try, I feel like. I guess we'll see, but I would assume you've got a bit of extra time on the back end as well. I really hope so, um, because I, I, you know, this summer, who knows if I'm going to be able to go on vacation at all. It's Nothing is clear at this point. Um, I, I have a feeling that it will not, you know, we will not be able to go travel around Italy Mm-mm. and have these long vacations as before, right? That's just... I know that it's months away, but I, I just, you know, uh, we're... You I also might not want to, right? Because we we may not mm. feel safe, even though it would be, like, technically allowed. Um, but I could go for, you know, have a chill early June, which is something that I haven't done in years, basically. And... Um, you know, take a break in August and come back in September because I know that I'm still going to have, you know, two to three weeks. That would be lovely, actually. Uh, but um, I don't know. I really do hope that... I, I am hoping for a smaller release that is um, that focused on optimizations without... Uh, not without new features. I still think there's going to be something. I hope that it, at this point, even though... I will be sad about it, but given that we just got a new iPad Pro and given that, that Apple was so focused on getting 13.4 out the door and have the pointer and have the magic keyboard, maybe this is not the year that we get an entirely redesigned multitasking interface on iPad. That said, it does feel likely that we're going to get a new home screen, so there's that. I don't know. If, if there's no big multitasking change on iPad, if there's a prioritization for... Uh, performance and bug fixes and if the three weeks that they've taken from the beginning of june also result in a couple of weeks of so-called delay uh, in september then i'm gonna feel pretty good about it because i I really don't want to work i really don't want to be in the same situation as last year which was super Mm. i don't want to say bad but it was very challenging for me to be able to finish ios and iPadOS in the same story in two and a half months. I just saw James Thompson in the chat room mention that he hopes it's a smaller release, which just made me think, if I was in a leadership position at Apple, I would be restricting how much went into iOS this year because I would assume that most developers and companies developing large apps would not have the capability and scale that they normally do. So I would want to limit the amount that at least developers have to integrate right like there's some stuff you can get away with for free as such because it's it's operating system stuff like multitasking changes might not need that much if any work from developers right if you maybe if you work with a current system really it's just on us to make it more visually like represented and to to do a better job at that but like stuff that you would really want to make sure developers are definitely implementing you might want to do less of that this year in case you end up in a case like in a place where no one did it right like you put all this stuff out there and everyone was like we have not got the time for this we're like just trying to hang on to the most important things right now so we'll see i mean there's still so much in ios I mean, even 12 and 13 that developers haven't caught up with. Like, it's not a bad deal to take a breather. 
but at the same time, Apple do still need to keep moving, right? It's important for them, but we'll see. I mean, there's one thing we're going to talk about after this break, which like could be a bigger thing. We'll see. Maybe it's, it's something that doesn't get done, but we'll see. But like, they will need to do some things because that's important for them. But maybe there's stuff that they can do, which doesn't put too much of a pressure on mm-hmm. third parties. I mean, and also when you think about it, realistically, last year was a really big year in terms of like there was dark mode and you had multi-window on iPad. There was plenty of work for developers to, you know, to rush and get all of these updates out the door in, ter- in time for September. And now considering that uh, everything that is going on, I think we could all, yes, we're all at home and especially indie developers are all at home and they have plenty of time in front of computers, but also there's other things to worry about. And maybe it's not the best time to ask developers, we want you to invest in all these features in the summer and work three months on getting your apps ready for all these new things. Maybe it's the year to say, look, we're going to have a couple new features, but then, you know, it's going to be relatively relatively chill and you can work on performance improvements. It's not going to be like this massive series of updates that you have to get ready for September. I think if, if there was a, a year to do this, 2020 is the year at this point. Yeah, I think I think the same thing on the Mac side. You know, last year was big with Catalyst, and that still hasn't been really widely adopted. I mean, there, there are more apps every month, but I think that on the Mac side, especially if there's an ARM transition announced or, you know, coming next year, like, it's okay to, to maybe just polish some stuff this year and and you know, let people sort of take a breather. If it's a big year for iOS and the Mac, both say, just say that a you know, new multitasking on the iPad and ARM transition is announced, like two of the biggest things I could think of. It sure doesn't seem like the year to do both of those things to developers. Like you will have developers that run on both platforms, basically pick one over the other. And both of those things are really important. And Apple does it every year to a degree, but with two really big things on the horizon for you know each side of the coin, uh, hopefully they balance that really well. All right, uh, so we're going to start a new segment, some things that we would uh, like to see this summer. Mike has named it Anticipating WWDC, but first let me tell you about our, our final sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you by SoundSource from Rogue Amoeba. SoundSource is a sound control utility for the Mac that's so good, it should just be built in to macOS, honestly. Whether you listen to podcasts, blast music, or stream video, SoundSource is for everyone who uses audio on their Mac. I've used SoundSource for a really long time, and it is fantastic because you can really customize what the audio is doing on your Mac. So if you're someone like me, Maybe with multiple like input and output devices, you can manage all that from the menu bar. You don't have to go spelunking in system preferences. But you can also just set volume on a per-app basis. So if you want Safari to always be loud, but you want iTunes to be less loud, you can just change it there. You don't have to go switching between apps. You just do it all in one place. You can boost volume levels. You can add an equalizer. So maybe you have sort of lame external speakers uh, or use bad headphones, you can maybe uh, adjust for that with an equalizer or advanced audio units as well. 
And if you have DisplayPort or HDMI devices, you know, those don't offer volume adjustment always in macOS, SoundSource can help by giving those devices a proper volume slider, something the system just can't do on its own. All of this power is available right from your menu bar with SoundSource. Visit macaudio.com connected to check it out. You can download a free trial and save 20% with a coupon code connected. That's macaudio.com connected and coupon code connected for 20% off. Our thanks to the audio wizards at Rogue Amoeba for sponsoring the show. All right, so as we approach WWDC, I think that what we could do a little bit over the next few weeks is to look at some potential rumors of upcoming changes coming to the platforms, not just iOS, the whole thing, and see how what we are currently using could change if those rumors come to pass. Now, one of the rumors that has been around for years is about changes to the home screen, to Springboard, as it's known, right? So the home screen of your devices evolving to include more than just app icons. This has been something that we've heard year after year from good sources, which means that Apple have been looking at it. Um, and then a couple of uh, last month, uh, there was a leak from an, that iOS 14 build that was going around, 9to5Mac posted that it was referencing uh, code which would have home screen widgets. So what I thought we could do is to look at the widgets that we are currently using on our devices to kind of get the lay of the land of the stuff that we find interesting to have and then maybe try and think about and talk about what could a home screen widget really give us or how different would it be compared to the current widget system which is by and large just in the uh, what is that even called now? The Some today, notification center. It's like column. The today notification cycle? bucket view column where the widgets are. <laughs> yeah, where the widgets are. Right, which it can be. It's just different on different devices now, though. Right, because on the iPad, it's it's on the home screen, but like they're locked into place. And yes, you can get them by the uh, haptic touch, um, but I don't think many people do use those right i think most people that use these widgets are probably using them in that little column which is on mm. the left hand side of the screen so i will list mine and then you guys can okay. list yours and then maybe we can dig into this a little bit so the the widgets that i'm using are okay. shortcuts uh timery fantastical todoist calzones carrot weather the battery widget, the inbuilt battery widget, screen time, and delivery. Stephen, why are you making? Are you adding Siri before shortcuts yeah, in our Siri notes? shortcuts? You know, do not call it. Don't don't call it that. It's not what it's called. I will I will, I will quit the show if you keep calling it that. <laughs> Is that worse than MacBook Escape or MacBook or MacBook Adorable? Yes, yes. Because it's the MacBook Adorable, MacBook Escape, and nicknames. Siri shortcuts for shortcuts is just wrong. Like it used to be called that, but it's not called that anymore. I see that misused all the time. It drives me bananas. All right. So the widgets that I use, I actually use not that many. Uh, I use Up Next, which just pulls in what's next on your calendar. I was using Fantastical, but I'm back in the Apple Calendar app. Up, up Next. Up Next. I- <laughs> That's like one of the first things that I remove. It's like all of the built-in ones, yeah. Up next. Uh, Carrot Weather, which is it's widget. I mean, like everything Carrot Weather. The widget is fantastic. Uh, Todoist, mm-hmm. Shortcuts, Calzones, Two shortcuts. and Batteries. So not that many. 
And these are consistent. We didn't really get into this. Mine are consistent across my iPhone and iPad. I don't know if you all have any differences between your devices, but mine are, the, are identical on both. I'm not an animal. Yeah, good. So, might we just are Siri shortcuts? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Timery, HomeCam, uh, which is a really, really good uh, third-party HomeKit camera utility, batteries, and my task manager, which I don't want to talk about. So it's just uh, remember the milk. no. It's my task man. It's my task manager. It's OmniFocus, is what it says it's in the list. Ta- it's called my task manager. OmniFocus Wonder List. No, One, no, two, my three, task manager. Task manager. So it's it's a new it's a new um, brand. The developer of One Two Three, unfortunately, was sued and had to change the naming. Oh, no. Yeah, I was sued by uh, by a patent troll a while back. Uh, so he, now everything is called my and the and my is lowercase and the rest of the word is all uppercase. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, like Apple's yeah, naming almost, schemes. Yes. That's good. Uh, so this is my task manager um, that I use. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Is it? Is it all? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Is it all one word? So it's like lowercase my and then task manager, all caps is one word? No, between task and manager, there's the degree symbol. You know the little dot that's floating up top? Yes. The symbol for degrees. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's it, weird. You needed to get creative <laughs> around, you know, being sued uh, by other uh, companies. But my task is one word. M, I, R, and Y are lowercase. Task, uppercase. Degree symbol, manager, all uppercase. Wow. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm so confused Let's now. <laughs> is task like uppercase this. or lowercase? How do you type the degree symbol? Command, shift, eight. Who could know? No, that's not right. No, you, you made me do something horrible to my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Just ruined in the Google Doc formatting at this point. Anyway, degree symbol. So I'm just gonna write here. Degree <laughs> manager. <laughs> Somebody can figure it out. Um, and also the I only have my task manager on the iPad because that's where I get things done, you know, uh, like a pro. Yes. Wait. You're not being serious about that, are you? You only have the widget. My task manager. The widget. OmniFocus. Oh. On your iPad? The widget. The widget. I was going to say. Okay, cool. All right. Okay. I okay. have my task manager in the, in, the, in the dock of the iPhone too. I just don't use the widget. I just don't use the widget. All right. Good, good, good. Because like that would have very that would have surprised me a lot. I like, haven't if, turned if you... into one of those, you know, Zen yeah. people. Oh, I'm all about, you know, balance. No, I'm mm. a mess. I'm a, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> just being honest. So but I do keep I do only keep the task manager widget on the iPad. Also, I went through a bit of a phase with my shortcuts widgets. Uh, I used to like I used to only have the shortcuts widget on the iPad. Like a single widget, like and a super long list of shortcuts. Now I have sort of swung in the opposite direction. I have three shortcuts, maybe four, four right now. Um, so I have, let's see, one which and Mike will understand. It's called the type chart. It shows me uh, weaknesses and resistances for playing Pokemon, um, for types. Um, Utilities, which is a, a group shortcut. So it call, it, you tap on the utilities uh, widget and it shows me a list of more shortcuts, more utility shortcuts to run. I've been thinking about doing something like this for some of my time tracking ones. Yeah. Grouping shortcuts together 
it's very useful uh, for me at least. Because just in case people don't know, if you do it correctly, you you don't actually have to leave the widget to make the decision, which is really nice. So, for example, I can uh, do things like uh, converting temperatures, for example. The number pad for typing numbers, if I want to convert from Celsius to Fahrenheit, you can type numbers within the widget. But just just numbers or choosing from lists, if you want to type some text, that's going to open the shortcuts app. So you got to do it right. Um, the third widget is one that opens a radio station in the excellent broadcasts app by Steve Chattensmith. Um, just opens the app and, and plays a radio station that I like. And and the last one is called Work, and it's a basically similar to Utilities. It's a bunch of shortcuts, but that are Mac Stories related. I now have, however, a long list of um, timers in the Timery widget. So I've sort of done the opposite. I used to have a lot of shortcuts and very few timers. Now I have very few shortcuts and a lot of timers. And uh, I'm looking on the iPhone now. And then I have Home Cam, which I kind of like because it, when it's in compact view, Home cam, it only shows me one camera, which is the camera outside. But if I expand the widget, it shows me all my HomeKit cameras. And lastly, I have the batteries on, on the iPhone because it's just sometimes useful to see. And uh, on the iPad, I have uh, Shortcuts, Timery, and OmniFocus. Wait, what? No, my task manager! My task manager! No! My task manager! Is the degree sign silent? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's silent. Okay, of course. All right, so now we've established that. It's easily silence in the sense you got to do my task manager. <laughs> oh, you've got silence. to... The silence is, like, observed. Yeah, yeah, it, it is observed, yes. It is my really quiet, like, my task manager. <laughs> yes, Steve totally nailed it first try. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so now that we have established this, uh, I want to see what, what could Apple realistically do? Because the layout of the current widgets would not really work especially on the iphone right like they're too large in some circumstances you know you could maybe have some widgets that would be the the full width that they are right now but you wouldn't want all of your widgets to be like that because then you would end up with if you had a couple of them that's your entire home screen at that point i mean and i have some widgets that in their expanded view take up the entire screen of my phone right like calzones is one of them because i have lots of time zones so when i go into the expanded view that would be basically i would just have a calzones phone that's it that's all it would be and that is probably it's a great but then at that point i may as well open the app right so like I I am I wonder kind of what do you, what do you guys think from a like a visual perspective like what could this actually end up looking like on the home screen what what do you think Apple could end up doing I think on the iPhone I kind of expect them to take the whole width of the screen so it would take like four icons across I don't see mm. them on the iPhone at least offering a lot of flexibility in width I think it just kind of it's instead of in the sidebar thing, it's over here and you can adjust the height. But I think on the iPad, I think they would be more flexible because it's a, a, such a larger canvas to do things on. But I don't know. I'm, I'm much more just to see what Federico thinks. So I have a lot of thoughts about this stuff. Um, at a high level, I think they should really, if they're going to do this, right? If they are going to say, we want to allow users to put anything on the home screen. I think they should do it right. And by doing it right, I mean, I mean it should be this 
like a, a very powerful and, and flexible system for developers. One might even say a deep and open framework. What I mean, though, is give developers the freedom to, well, first of all, just um, if you want to have a, like, let's call them rich widgets, right? The idea being that what I just mentioned, uh, you should allow users to type text into a widget, uh, not just numbers, like lift that limitation and allow a widget to bring up the keyboard and type something. Because I would want, for example, a Todoist widget exactly. that was a full width that just let me type in yep. a task. So allow the keyboard to be used and allow all kinds of touch events like um, uh, scrolling and, mm -hmm. and double tapping or you know even two finger taps, like all kinds of gestures should be, should be supported and give developers the freedom to use any kind of custom UI that they want to use in there. Uh, there are some a lot of limitations right now uh, with the current widget design, and I just I, and I just would like to see widgets be opened up in a way that developers can can have any sort of UI and animations and effects uh, for. Yeah, I don't want my iPhone to just be a f just full of frosted glass panels. No, I I want I want it to be a little bit more like honestly like make them follow the conventions of app icon design in that there are none right like you can you're allowed to design an app icon however you want right like it can look whatever you want it to look like i would love to see widgets follow that right where it's like you can you can make it look however you want like your application you're not constrained in into a more rigid system from from a visual perspective and i would also i mean it goes without saying that i would love to have a system that allows me to freely uh, mix icons and widgets on the home screen. Like, I don't want to be in a situation where, oh, you can have them, but only, like, in the top row of the home screen. Because we've seen Apple do those kinds of things. No, I want to be able to place them anywhere. Like, give me the choice to... And maybe even go beyond the grid, right? Maybe it's time to get rid of the, get rid of the grid. It's a good slogan. Um, but, like, get rid of the grid. Hashtag get rid of the grid. I think that... I think that those two things should go hand in hand. Like if you are going to allow for widgets on the home screen, it probably is time to to no longer right. constrain to the grid system for organization. If you're going to allow users to have icons and widgets on the home screen, I think anything should be able to be pinned to the home screen as, as, a, as a rich element. So I'm thinking like, uh, folders from iCloud Drive or specific documents. Like, let me pin that item to the home screen as a as a shortcut, not in the sense of a of a shortcut from from Siri shortcuts, but as a, as a thing that I can tap. And by the way, Siri shortcuts was ironic. No, I think you. That's just how you say it now. No, no, no. Uh, okay, from shortcuts, the app allow me to have that on the home screen as as a as a thing that reopens that folder or document in the files app or maybe in quick look right and also mm. you have shortcuts from the shortcuts app right now you can add them to the home screen and it's better than before in that installing the icon is done natively from the shortcuts app and when you tap on the icon on the home screen it launches shortcuts directly it's much faster and more reliable than before but still I can't help but imagine a system where you add a shortcut to the home screen and when you run it, it's not just an icon. 
it's this rich element. You can call it a widget, you can call it something else, but it's this rich element that shows you progress, that runs inside the home screen, and maybe even shows you interaction. Like if you have a shortcut that shows you a list, maybe that thing actually runs inside the home screen, never launches the shortcuts app, and shows you a list on the home screen and lets you interact with it, right? It's like imagining that this system would kind of let you poke holes into applications a little bit more, right? Yeah, yeah, and allow you to have like this these interfaces, or like live interfaces, and like in actually that you that you can interact with on the home screen. Basically, the idea would be you can get more things done on the home screen without having to always do the dance of go to the home screen, tap something, it launches an app, and then you got to go back again. Like get, And that kind of living home screen would work really, really well on the iPad. Like it reminds me of like status board, panic yeah. status board, yeah. right? Where you could have a, a, just stuff happening, right? On the home screen without needing to do anything. You can see things, you can see animations, that kind of stuff. Like that would be, that would be very nice. Now, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're we're asking for too much, but I think if you're gonna rethink the home screen, how are you gonna rethink it? Right? Uh, we always see these concepts of like, oh, the home screen is now entirely powered by Siri, and it changes during your day. And <laughs> oh, I think no. Apple tried that with like the Siri Watch Face, for example, to have this dynamic sort of home screen that you don't really set yourself, but that changes depending. And that stuff never works, right? I think it's safe to say that they gave up on the Siri watch They gave up on that. It's been a couple of years without, essentially without any change. Or like lock screen suggestions. I mean, it's never really went anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. The other day, uh, I had a Siri suggestion for like set a timer for six minutes. And I I have no idea where I got that because the pasta that I've been cooking lately (laughs) always takes 10 minutes. So like... I appreciate the effort, but like <laughs> I don't know where this comes from, honestly. So I think the, the best way to have a, a, a richer and, and more customizable system is, uh, you know, sometimes the, the, the best answer is the simplest one. Just make it customizable by users, and people are going to love it. I think if there's anything that people like is to make their home screens their own, and sure, most people will not care, but I think a lot of other people will will be very happy by... I mean, even just take a look at how much people customize their watch faces, right? I, I think it's time to, to, do, to go beyond the grid and just the icons and the widgets on one side and have a better system. Yes, it'll be inspired by Android, but whatever. If it's going to be better, you know, Android and iOS are copying each other all the time these days. So why not? I'm excited. I, I when I use in my Android phone, I like having like my task list just one home screen over, right? It's it's very fast and I've never really found the system that Apple uses to be particularly useful. I don't know. I like having them there, but like I scroll over, especially on the iPad with like the top ones are pinned and then like they sort of scroll awkwardly down. It could be so much better. Yeah, I, this is one of the main things that I would like personally in iOS 14 would be this like not re- not necessarily a reimagining but like an evolution of the home screen it's something that we've all wanted for a long time i think it would be very nice um 
this, you know, we're saying about maybe there not being a lot of things, uh, and this obviously would be something that developers would have to work to, but in, in, maybe this would be the main thing. And it could be a big thing, right? Like re reorganizing the home screen. It's, it is also, um, if you want to like biz dev it for a little bit, it could be important to a lot of companies because it allows you to take up more space on someone's home screen, right? Like that could be something. So you are front of mind, as they would say. Uh, so, like, there are definite benefits to, to a system like this. Uh, so, I, w- I would love to see it. Like, I, I very okay. much would. But we'll see. I think that does it for this week. What do you all think? Yeah. I think so. If you want to find links to all this stuff we spoke about, head on over to the show notes at relay.fm slash connected slash 293. While you're there, there's lots of activities you can take part in. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can become a member and support Connected directly and get a whole bunch of cool membership perks. You can learn more about those perks at relay.fm slash membership. You can find us all online. Mike is on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. You can find Federico on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me there as I-S-M-H. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Smile, Squarespace, and SoundSource from Rogue Amoeba. Until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.